welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Well, one of the things as we think about today's topic, one of the things that that immediately comes to mind for me is what sustains my hope Uh, as a pastor, as a leader at Oak Hills, and as a Christ follower? What are the things that I come across that have a, uh, they sustain my hope, they remind me that God is good, they are displays that God is at work in this world. And when I think of things that encourage my hope and, and sustain my hope, that's what I think of. I think of where, where are people out in their lives, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, living out the reality of the kingdom, seeking to embody and incarnate his alternative way in the midst of their lives. And now and then when I hear stories of these things, it immediately uh, creates this kind of surge of hope within me, kind of a sense that this is where the front lines are, uh, out in the world, in our jobs, in our workplaces. This is where we are to be missionaries of hope, to be people who are seeking to embody the living Christ in those places and in those spaces and demonstrate to others who Jesus actually is. And for me, when I hear these stories, two things come to my mind. One is is that it encourages me in my own walk with Christ to want to continue to follow him. And the other thing that happens is I almost immediately want to find a way to take those stories that I've heard in whatever forum it's been in and bring them to this format forum so that we can hear these stories and recognize the many good things that God is doing out far away from this central church location. So a few weeks ago, Jeremiah Renfro uh, had talked about, came up and shared a bit about what happened to him when he went through the journey process, the good work that God did in in him as he went through that year-long process in our journey program and the spiritual formation that happened. And the way he articulated that uh, what It didn't just inspire and encourage hope in me, but in many of you as well, and you took the step forward to enter that process on your own. A couple of weeks ago, we had Holly Carlson come, and she talked about how she's trying to use her house in her neighborhood as a place where people can gather, as a place that is, a, a if you will, a, a place for mission and ministry right in the neighborhood where she lives. You may recall she talked about having a Lexio Divina station right there in her neighborhood that anybody can come to and and spend time with God right there at Holly's house. Extremely encouraging example of mission, of living on mission, and of being the people of Jesus out in the community. So we have another person who has come today, and that is Rachel Barkey. So Rachel, why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself for those who may not know you. Okay. Um, Well, I'm Rachel Barkey, and... I have gone to this church for about 26 years, um, and I am privileged enough to be a part of our youth ministry and lead some beautiful freshman girls. Um, Yeah, my little family. We've got a four-year-old and an almost two-ish year old, and yeah. What are their names? Levi and Colson. And then Steve, Steven Steven is your husband. husband. Okay. So... Uh, this is one of these stories where I was in a conversation, in this case, with Holly, and Holly said, you should talk to Rachel about some She stuff. ratted me out. She ratted you out indeed, uh, and uh, in a good way, though. And so there's been some interesting things happening in your neighborhood. So why don't you tell everybody what's been going on? 
Yeah, so um, I live on a private drive in Orangevale, and um, we moved there about three years ago. Um, and pretty shortly after we moved there, it became very apparent that there was large conflict happening um, and between half of our street and the other half of our street. Um, so a little bit of violence, ripping gates out, um, charging cars, punching cars, yelling at people, um, just things that were very hard to experience when you first move into a new house. And I had no idea that that was part of um, what we were doing. And so, um, yeah, and I live on the corner of this street and I have been trying to explore what it looks like to be a good neighbor and how I can um, enter into that in good ways. So just to, so I understand and so others understand. So there's some sort of feud mm -hmm. on your street. Yeah. And it's not just in word. There are actions taken mm -hmm. kind of a us versus them, if you will, in, yeah. in an extreme way. Yeah. Um, you had talked about charging cars. You don't need to get specific, but what does that mean? Um, well, one half of our street is paved and the other half of it is not. Um, and so if you were to exit or enter down the street that isn't paved, you kick up dust. Um, and they don't like when you kick up dust, even if you're going really slow. Um, and so they would run out of their house towards your car and punch it. Which probably makes you kick up more dust because you speed Cause you up. And... Speed up and <laughs> yeah. I actually stopped. I wasn't oh, did you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So here, I, I, this, is, this is a prime example, and this is why I wanted us to hear from Rachel today. We've talked so many times about division, tension, conflict. All through this election season, it's a theme we came back to over and over again. With the question looming in our mind, how do we as Christ followers stand in these places, live in these places, where this kind of tension and conflict, in, in your case, is it's not just brewing, it's overflowing at times. Another way that we sometimes put it is, here's the communion table. How do we extend the reconciliation we experience at the communion table out into the actual places in our lives where there is fracture and where there is friction? So you're living in a place, you've been there three years, you have two little children? Two littles, yeah. Two little children, okay. So that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Talk about how you've tried to respond to this. Yeah, so um, at the beginning of this Advent season, I was really feeling like I wanted to be a space of um, safety and um, quietness, reflectiveness, and we were walking actually through um, youth group, uh, a book called With by Sky Jathani. And um, at the end of that book, they kind of start asking you to put into practice what you have been learning in spiritual practices. And um, I wanted to give that to my girls without, um, without having COVID be a part of it. So I set up a station um, in my carport, a prayer station, a prayer wall, and um, thought, well, it's at my house. 
in my neighborhood, the corner of my neighborhood, how do I enter into this um, in a different way with them? Um, so my family took a letter around to our whole neighborhood explaining what we were doing and why we were doing it and um, inviting them to join us and saying it was okay if they didn't and, um, you know, just to be respectful and it kind of overflowed after that. It burst. Um, so just to, you had a prayer wall set up. Yeah. Which if, if you may remember we've done here where you come up, you write down a prayer request and put it into however the wall works. So you've had that, is that in, in the front yard? Yeah, it's, yeah, we have our, when you turn on our street, you actually see the side of our house. So we have a really big carport okay. um, and it was up there with Christmas lights and an easy up in case it rained and chairs. And So yeah. you put this right in your neighborhood, in your mm -hmm. front yard, yeah. and you went around and delivered a letter saying, this is what this is. What, what has happened as a result of that? Um, well, we had quite a few neighbors come over and say, this is really cool, maybe I'll come by, and um, I was over the moon. I didn't expect them to respond that way. Um, there were a few knocks on our door during the day that was like, what is this? Can I use it? Um, but there were a lot of surprising and unexpected beautiful things that came out of it. Um, we've been having our groceries delivered because of COVID and um, the person that delivered our groceries um, gives me all my groceries and he's like, this is really cool. Like, this is beautiful. And I said, yeah, you're welcome to stay and engage in it if you want. And he, he was astonished and was like, really? Um, okay. And he did. He sat there for a good like 20 minutes during his break and um, engaged in the prayer wall and after that I remember thinking if no one else comes to this prayer wall that was enough God yeah. like that was That's good awesome. and, yeah. and and you've you've also had kind of a, a sense of what God might be compelling you to, to be on the road and in the midst of the feud so yeah. talk about how you've tried to be present in that um, so I'm pretty new to the street. Uh, most of the people that have lived on our road have lived there for 20 plus years. And so they're pretty deeply entrenched in this conflict and have what they would perceive as skin in the game. Um, but we don't. Uh, this has been pretty surprising and new to us. And so I feel a little free in the sense um, that you know, sometimes maybe my my kids soft soften the blow a little, and mm. when a four year old comes running up to you with a letter and a cookie, you're not really going to say no to them, right? right. Um, and so that's been an interesting way in. But then further than that, just being out and around um, has really started to soften some of the harder people that come and seek us out now and. Um, just yesterday, we met some new friends, and they were like, oh, you're the house with the prayer wall. And that was a little, um, it took me back just a little bit. Like, I'm actually affecting a little change, um, bringing some shalom. So I really feel called to my neighborhood to um, be a fresh new light and um, maybe start the process of healing. Yeah. Well, the beautiful part of this, is, one of the beautiful parts of this is this is where we, we get down into the details of, does it matter that I follow Jesus in terms of how I live out in the world? 
And Rachel's story is a resounding answer. Yes, it does matter. It matters that we profess allegiance to Jesus. We seek to live a different way. So there's a conflict. We step into the conflict seeking to bring shalom, seeking to extend the reconciliation we've experienced at the communion table into this neighborhood where this has been going on for quite some time. So first off, just to affirm what you guys are doing and the good work you're doing there, the mission work you're doing there of living this out and seeking to be, to be present in it and the example to the rest of us of ministry right outside the front door. And that is just so key and crucial to who we want to continue to become as a church. So I'd like to ask those of you that are watching to bow your heads. We're going to pray for Rachel and Stephen and for their family as they seek to be missionaries in this place of conflict. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Rachel's testimony, for the good work you're doing in her and in Stephen and through their family in their neighborhood. I pray that you will bring around them others who follow Jesus and seek to live under his kingship, that they might come together in this and together pray for the kingdom to come in the midst of this conflict. Pray that your shalom would break loose. What an incredible opportunity for your power to be seen, for your Holy Spirit to be on display. And so we ask you to bring others who follow you around Stephen and Rachel and their family, and we continue to pray for fresh ideas for creativity and for power from you to demonstrate the way of your kingdom. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Rachel. Well, those are the kinds of stories that I just, that inspire me. They inspire hope in me. They remind me that what it is that we're trying to churn up and talk about uh, really does have meaning and relevance out in your world, in your daily life, in the people that you encounter, in the circumstances and situations such as Rachel just described. So I have a scripture from Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 4 through 11. And as I mentioned earlier, very soon I'm going to invite you to type in some of those uh, ways in which you are sustained by hope or examples perhaps similar to what Rachel said or ways that you're seeing or you yourself are manifesting the kingdom. And in a moment, I'm going to start reading some of those. I am going to attach your name to it, uh, just so you know, so we can have that sense of connectedness to you. So Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 4 through 11. On one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They then gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, 
will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. So it's a fascinating little passage for us to think about as we think about sustaining hope. And just a couple things that, that strike me as I read this. And one is, is that whatever is next for these disciples, whatever is to come now that Jesus has been uh, obviously born, he lived his life, he taught, performed all sorts of miracles, he's been crucified, now he rose from the dead. And in this passage I just read, he has ascended back to be with his father. Whatever is next, this much we know for sure, these disciples need the Holy Spirit in order to do what Jesus is asking them to do. They need his power, power from on high, as it is put. And so they are to wait, Jesus says, in Jerusalem for the gift that the Father will send. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm just fascinated by a couple spots in this passage, in verses 6 through 7, where you'll note what their focus is. And then down a little bit later, they get in the same focus where they're looking straight up into the sky in verse 10. So in verses 6 through 7, they hear Jesus say all this stuff, and he's about to ascend back to his father. And they essentially say, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this now when you're going to make everything right? Is this it? Is this the end? Is this when God is going to bring his reign fully? Is this when everything is going to culminate? And I just want us to hear this for a second. This is the time where Jesus is telling them, basically, your work's about to begin, and they're looking back at him and saying, you're going to wrap all this up now? Are you going to return? Is everything going to be made right? And everything's going to be happily ever after? So they are fixated on the end. They're fixated on when's this all going to finish up? And Jesus says, it's not your business to worry about the end. It's not for you to know the time. It's not for you to know the places, the place where God, by his authority, has established for this to happen. Details like times and dates are not to be your focus, he says, but you are to be a witness. You are to be my witness in this world. Interesting word, this Greek word behind witness is the word martyr and marturos. And so you're to be my martyr, my witness, testifying to my goodness and to my hope and to who I am. And he says, you're to be that in Jerusalem first, so wait there, and then in Judea, the surrounding area beyond Jerusalem, and then in Samaria, the big area to the north of Jerusalem or to the north of Judea. And then he says, and then to the ends of the earth. So we could think of it this way. You're to be my witnesses in Folsom, and then in the larger Sacramento region, and then in all of Northern California, and even past California to the north, and then to the ends of the earth. So there's this kind of radiating outward to go, to be, to live it out, to manifest, to demonstrate, to be on your street and recognize when something's happening on your street, that's the spot to step in and to bring the reality of the kingdom and the reality of shalom and to be a missionary of hope right there in that spot. And so again, we come back to something that we've talked about a lot here at Oak Hills and we'll continue to talk about a lot. And that is, how do we live all this out 
away from these Sunday gatherings? How do we actually be kingdom people, people of hope out in everyday life, missionaries of hope? Obviously, what happens here matters, but part of the thing that you've heard me emphasize often over the last few years is this idea of living it out in our everyday lives. So I want to encourage you at this time, if you haven't already, and I can see that some of you have, to start thinking about this idea of what sustains your hope. What sort of encounters happen to you that sustain your hope, that give you the sense of the king is here and he's up to something in this place? Stories where you may be stepping into those things. Stories where you may have seen hope manifested. You may have heard something that has encouraged your hope. And I would encourage you to start writing those things down or if, if you have that capability within the Facebook that you're looking at to post those things. And uh, I want to share one of them that is both on the screen, but it's also one that I was planning on sharing. Anyway, just to give you a sense of what it is that we're talking about. So uh, someone who is from Oak Hills but is not living uh, here right now, Meryl Nossler, many of you know Meryl. She is down in the southern part of our state, Central Valley, and she's working at a school there. And she's got about 25 fifth graders that she teaches. And many of their parents are uh, gone all day long. And so the, the kids can't even get to school because of COVID. They get their food provided to them from the school. And Meryl was in one of our prayer times not long ago. And she mentioned that she asked us to be praying for her class and for the students in her class who this time of year are hungry and are feeling lonely and so forth. That prayer request led to a series of inquiries and ways of reaching out that ultimately resulted in you, the people of Oak Hills, uh, funding the sending of $100 gift cards to 25 families down in the Central Valley that have no idea where that gift card came from or who we are, but not long ago, these families got this in the mail. Merrill relayed to a few of us an exchange she had with one of her students. I wish I could recount it for you verbatim, but let's just say that it went something like this. The student said, where did these come from? I want to thank them. Merrill said, well, the person wanted to be anonymous. The student said, but I really want to thank them. And Merrill said, maybe you, sh you can just look at this as this is God's gift to you. And that turns into this exchange about, is there a God? Who is God? And Merrill, just in a very gracious and mission-like way, helped to uh, encourage this younger child to consider the possibility that God indeed loves them and cares for them. A wonderful story of hope sustained and people living on mission out in the world. Uh, let me see here if you can roll down. Keep going. So here's a good one. This is from Kelly Vaccaro. Many of you know Kelly, but uh, she works as a, uh, uh, owns a small business that cares for children. And like a lot of small businesses in our community, these businesses have been hit hard by COVID. And so 
Uh, she shared on here that um, she, back in March when COVID hit, that sense of hopelessness, that sense of discouragement, that sense of, man, how are we going to make it through this? But being able to walk in to her place of work with a sense of God's presence there and seeing the smiles and the encouragement from the people that she worked with. And I know there's other parts of the story with Kelly whereby she has been encouraged and she has been inspired to hope. And so just that every day go into this place, COVID has really put a weight on small businesses and uh, just the encouragement and the hope that Kelly has experienced. Let me keep looking at some of these. Um, so here's a good one. This is from Tim Lewis. Uh, he says, I planted flowers in my front yard for the first time. Hopefully, something other than marigolds, but that's a painful story we won't get into. But <clears throat> using, he says, the occasion of COVID to try something that they haven't done before. So he mentions a couple flowers. I don't even know how to pronounce them, so I won't mess with that. But uh, they started blooming and... Um, they were hanging out in the front yard more because of COVID. And by hanging out in the front yard and having these flowers and catching people's eye, they had a chance to interact with their uh, neighbors, which again, you know, and I don't know that we oftentimes get in the house, shut the door, shut the garage, shut the gate, get in the backyard and hope no one knocks on the front door. So this is a prime example of being present in his community with an idea of doing something in the front yard and the many conversations, the many uh, connections that were made in doing that. Here's one from Paul Yin. I'm going to just read this. Hopefully it's uh, okay. But surrounded by dominating voices that tell us to conquer or cancel proves to be exhausting, especially when even Christianity has become one of those voices. Out of this context, I recently witnessed the birth of a Christian-based company called Uncommon Voices Collective, a small team of people who seek out marginalized ideas that just may give sparks of light in the darkness. Out of the ashes, I see the rise of hope. I would expand on that to say, seeing someone do something courageous in the midst of hard times, something that is an attempt to manifest the kingdom in these hard times. Keep going. Stay right there, Karen. So Kevin Houck has got a good one here. He put this on the dashboard of his car. Great idea. Keeping these things right in front of you as encouragements as you're driving around. He, he put Romans 15, 13, a marvelous verse when you talk about hope and being sustained and it reads i pray that god the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the holy spirit evie derus um, many of you know evie she writes what sustains my hope there's always beauty somewhere in nature in babies new marriages younger people earnestly seeking to serve and bring creative innovation, older people continuing to persevere and cooperate with the slow work of transformation that God is continually renewing, restoring, and redeeming. Let me jump off on that one. I had a conversation recently with someone who's been part of Oak Hills for a thousand years, and we were having a wonderful discussion. This is a person who 
uh, is involved, has their own small business. And again, without getting into all the, the gory details because they're not that important, but someone who's part of the small business community here at Oak Hills and was relaying to me some of the challenges that are facing many of the small businesses that are uh, going through this COVID experience. And again, this was one thing led to another thing that led to we as a church in the last week being able to tangibly and practically help uh, some of our local businesses. And we had some people go around into those local businesses and provide them with a financial gift. It's just a way of saying, we're glad that you're here. We're in this with you and we want to encourage you. And again, this is all coming from people like yourselves that are thinking of these things and ideas that are flowing, the sense of how do we bless our community? How do we be a presence in our community um, of the kingdom? And so just the encouragement of what that did to a number of these business owners who, as you know, feel out there and feel uh, distressed. And so that is another good thing. Karen, can you scroll, I guess, up right in there? So this is a good one from Randy Chance, and I, I, I know where he's coming from on this in terms of the sustaining of hope. And, and I've had some conversations with Randy, and I know Randy's had some conversations with some others. This is a beautiful example of how do we live this out in real life. So Randy has had some things that have come up in the course of society, in the course of our world over the last bit of time that have been difficult to process, hard to, to deal with at times. And instead of sitting back and cocooning and shutting down and allowing the committee that lives in his own head to dictate all of the answers to these things, what Randy's done marvelously is he sought people out to talk to, sometimes to have hard conversations with, to try to sort things through and work things out. This would be a prime example of where Randy has pulled up a chair, to use one of our phrases, and had these tough conversations with some people. I've been in these a few times with Randy. I've watched him do this. Uh, I know some of the situations that he's walked into. It's a profound example of, does the communion table mean anything? Or when we have conflict or tension or something doesn't go the way we want, do we just sort of close the door on those people, wall ourselves off, and live in an isolated bubble. One of the things that is so important to me as I think about our adventure and our journey together is this idea of we come to the table, we feast at the table, then what? And I think I've shared this with some of you in the past that I've watched people come to this table in this room at the same service at the same time who are at odds with each other. And they're in a full-scale conflict with each other. So they would be what Rachel was talking about. The feud is happening. And I've stepped back at that and looked at that and thought, that, that should not be. The feud is unavoidable. But how do we as Christ followers, people who claim Jesus is king, how do we step toward that, trusting his presence to sort out those things. So again, it moves from, oh yeah, every first Sunday of the month we take communion to I'm coming to be reminded of the reconciliation I have received and then to walk away from there different 
because I've been redeemed and rescued by a great God. Now I go as a reconciler and do what I can, do my best to work this out. So Randy has done an amazing job at that. Here's one from Holly Carlson I think is important as well. That Holly works as a nurse and um, we all know frontline workers are in the midst of a lot of difficulty and challenge. There's a few doctors that I've interacted with uh, from our church who they feel the weight and the burden of everything going on. You can imagine as a frontline worker, when you're in the hospital, you're in ICU, you're seeing what goes on during the holidays where people are lonely and isolated and hurting, or you see people who are coming in with COVID and the challenge and the difficulty that that creates. And Holly just says this marvelous thing, I found hope at the hospital in a room full of healthcare workers as we skipped and laughed and cried with joy as we received our COVID vaccines, a small little gift from God. Keep rolling down a little bit. Here's another great one from Tiffany uh, Ramirez. Tiffany has this marvelous work that she's done for a long time. It's one of the, uh, probably about 10 years ago when I first met Tiffany at something that we had had here uh, called Mosaic that Manuel had put on. And Tiffany works with seniors who have dementia and Alzheimer's, and she writes, what sustains hope, continuing to work with seniors with dementia and their families, not giving up on helping them find a connection to love and others, and then having one family who's never believed in God invite me into a conversation about their, quote, spiritual shortcomings, being present with people in the midst of hard stuff, being present with people in the midst of a feud on a street and manifesting the goodness and the wonder of the kingdom. Here's another one. This is from Greg Rosler. He says, I have observed the Veers family reach out to several families and kids with developmental differences and do fun activities that have made those kids and families see Christ. This has included games, barbecues, and phone calls during these times. And I would concur with Greg. If you don't know the Veers, then you're missing two people who embody the goodness of God and the love of Christ. And they have done that marvelously well here and out in the community. We've got time for maybe one or two more. This is from Christina Massey regarding hope. My dad has been in the hospital with COVID on a ventilator since before Thanksgiving, and I had the opportunity to pray with the doctors and nurses. It was awesome. I've also had a chance to pray with my dad, and the cool thing is he wants me to pray. God is up to something, and the hope in that has been beautiful. And this is just such a really neat thing to think about, that God is up to something. It's one of the thoughts that I've had many times during this COVID season. What is God up to? What is he doing? Surely he is not surprised. Surely he is not scrambling around, uh, rifling through the filing cabinets of heaven, trying to figure out how do we handle a pandemic? He's up to something. He's doing something. I think about it from the standpoint of Oak Hills. There have been ideas that have grown out of this pandemic that I don't think would have happened had we not had the pandemic. Things that are going to be in place going forward uh, long after the pandemic 
is over. I'm going to read one more. This is from Dave Burns. I'm experiencing hope through the small and unaware movements that occur throughout the day. They're not flashy nor grand, but relational in nature. They are usually birthed in response to the giving of one's time or attention to another. They tend to come forward in response to a simple word or phrase that lets someone know that I heard you. I'm here with you. I'm not leaving. Oftentimes, I do not see them until I look in the, quote, rearview mirror, and I'm stirred by the mystery of it all in powerful ways. God moves through the small and ordinary details of our days. A beautiful way uh, to end this time together. I saw what Dave's talking about in action yesterday. I was out on a walk with a few people from my family, and there was this elderly woman using a cane, walking down a sidewalk, uh, heading toward us, and I saw someone walk up to her and greet her and show her the dog they had and had a few minutes just to be with her. Very small, seemingly insignificant, but undoubtedly a profound expression of love to this woman. Uh, someone saw her, someone engaged her, someone was able to offer hope to her. Well, let me just finish by saying this. Um, I find myself as one of your pastors, here we come to the end of this, what has been a tough year, I'm just deeply grateful to be able to be one of the pastors of Oak Hills. I, I know many of you know this. This is not always an easy uh, task. There are often things to deal with that uh, are not pleasant to deal with. There are often things to deal with that are pleasant to deal with. But through it all, I continue to find myself filled with gratitude for Oak Hills, the people. Even in the midst of some of the excruciating challenges, what sustains my hope is seeing us do our best to live this out. Seeing us do our best to get past just the formalities, to get past the slogans, to get past the Christianese, and do our best to live this out and embody these things in the real world. Our Christmas Eve celebration uh, on the 24th, we, the, the one at 3, and then the one at 5 was particularly interesting because it was almost pitch dark. And the way the lights were on the front, I was sitting essentially like this, but the lights were up, and you could almost not even see anybody. But every now and then I would hear a baby crying, or I would hear a baby fussing. And it was just this beautiful picture of gathered together on that sacred night, worshiping God, honoring Him in our brokenness, in our humanness, in our rawness, and the great, deep privilege of being able to do that together. The work matters. Your lives matter as Jesus' people. What you do at work, what you do as a school teacher, what you do as a nurse, what you do as someone who stays home and raises your children, what you do at school, what you do in your neighborhood, the way that you seek to live out the kingdom in the streets, all that matters. All of that is where the real action is because that's what takes the good news to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church for the people of Oak Hills. I thank you so much for Rachel's amazing story of how
how she and Stephen and her family is seeking to live this out. And we would be so bold in these days to continue to pray that we might be agents of shalom and hope in this world. I pray that as people go to work in their office, at the hospital, as they work with those who are marginalized and hurting, as they teach school through Zoom, as they go to school on Zoom, as they raise children in the obscurity of that task sometimes. I pray that you would fill them with the power of your spirit, that they might be witnesses in those places, that they might manifest the reality of your kingdom, your heart, and your character. And I do pray, as one person wrote, that we might have our eyes and our hearts constantly reminded that one day you will indeed come again. One day all will finally be well. And the work and the labor and our efforts on that day will matter. We thank you in Jesus' name.